If you've got a Bible today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to hang out there for a while, and then we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. But before we jump into that, just kind of recap quickly where we've been. We've been talking about our multiply vision as a church, that we want to multiply fruitfulness. And that comes out of Genesis chapter 1, how God blessed them and he commanded them to be fruitful and to multiply. And those two things describe our mission and vision as a church, that we want to be fruitful. We say that as grow people. That's what we say to make disciples. We want people to be fruitful. We want people to grow. And then we want to multiply that fruitfulness. And we talked last week, if you were here in Genesis chapter six, that it's not a question of if we are multiplying. Every single one of us here are multipliers. The question is only what we are multiplying. Every single one of us are multiplying. The question is very simply, what are we multiplying? And I don't know about you, but again, I have this increasing conviction on my life that I don't want to multiply my own unhealthiness. I don't want to multiply into my kids, into people that I lead, into this church. I don't want to multiply things that aren't fruitful. And so really this is as a church, not only is it a mission and vision for us as a church, but it's an opportunity for each one of us to take a look at our own life and, and say, man, what are the areas in my life that I'm not currently being fruitful in? What are the areas in my life that, that I need God to bless? What are the areas that I need God to bless my marriage, my health, my finances, whatever it is? I need God to bless that because I want to be fruitful because that is what I want to multiply. I don't want to multiply things that are not fruitful. I don't want to multiply things that don't honor God like we saw in Genesis chapter 6. I don't want to multiply things that grieve God. I want to multiply things that glorify God. And that's another reason why we're doing this series. And that's another reason why this is the mission and vision of our church, because it forces us to take a look into our own life and say, okay, God, how am I personally being fruitful? And then what am I multiplying into others? And so all of us as a church, this is a unique opportunity to look at the mission and vision of our own lives and say, kind of an overview and kind of step back and look and say, is this what I want to be multiplied? And we talked last week in Genesis chapter six, that one of the things that really was an increasing of evil and what grieved God is the people in Genesis chapter six began to multiply and then they took, they were takers. And so I was contrasting takers from receivers or givers. And so in our lives so often, if we don't think that God really is going to bless us, if we don't think that God wants to bless us, then so often we'll just start taking what we think is ours. And we'll be under this false illusion that God doesn't want to bless us. And so then in our mentality, and again, you see this in kids all the time, it just happens naturally. We start to become takers. But as a church, again, we don't want to multiply takers. We want to multiply givers. We want to multiply receivers, people who receive the blessings of God and then are in on the flow of what God is doing and then multiply that into others. And so you receive and then you give. And so we're going to focus today in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4, kind of contrasting that idea of we don't want to multiply takers, but we want to multiply people that are good stewards of what God has given them, and they receive, and then through that, use that to bless other people, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but let's pray before we jump into the text as always and ask God to bless our time together. Father, as always, we want to stop and acknowledge our need for you. God, as we say every week, we are so grateful that you are so gracious. And just like you spoke the world into existence through your word, 
You can speak new worlds into existence in our lives through your word today. And so God, I pray that you would create new realities for people. You would remind us of your faithfulness to us, of your blessing to us, and you would grow fruit in us. God, we want to be fruitful, but we know without your blessing that can't happen. And so as we open your word today, God, we pray that you would bless us and open our eyes to see the truth and open our ears to hear the truth and then apply it to our lives. Be faithful with what you have given us and ask you to grow the fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it's right after the book of Romans where we've been talking. And again, we'll jump back into that after the first of the year. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and in 1 Peter chapter 4, there's one word that I want us to focus on today. And this is really what we want to multiply as a church. And it comes right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. So let's read it. It says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And if you don't know anything about the church in Corinth, they had a lot of problems. That's why there's two letters. And a lot of scholars believe there was actually three letters and we just have two of them. And so Paul had to write to them several times to help correct things that they had wrong because there was a lot of infighting, a lot of division, a lot of, let me just say, there was a lot of unhealthiness that they were multiplying. Because Corinth was just a crazy city, and so people that had gotten saved then became a part of the church, they hadn't um, been fruitful yet as a part of the church. They were still bringing a lot of worldliness into the church. And again, if you read 1 Corinthians, there's some crazy worldliness stuff that Paul has to deal with, uh, stuff that even today we would kind of be a little bashful at. And so he's speaking to the church in Corinth and he's telling them, listen, you, you are not multiplying the right kind of things. You are not multiplying fruitfulness and, and you're multiplying divisions among you. And he's calling out certain things. And in chapter three, he was dealing with this idea that some people liked Paul, some people liked Apollos. And, and he's contrasting that and saying, listen, it doesn't really matter who I am. It doesn't really matter who Apollos is. Uh, at the end of the day, it is God who gives the growth. And now in chapter four, he's talking about that both of them are simply to be regarded as servants and as stewards. Servants and as stewards. And it's those two words that I want us to focus on. The first one here is the word servant. It's a little bit different word than it is used often in the New Testament when it talks about being a servant. But it's the idea of you are of subordinate. Uh, it's the idea of there is a master who calls the shots and, and your job as a servant is to do what he says. And so Paul says, listen, this is how you should regard us. You should regard Paul and Apollos as first and foremost servants. This is why I say all the time around here, Jesus is the senior pastor of Revolution Church. He is the king. He is the one who is in charge. And the rest of us simply submit to him or are subordinate or subjected to him. And so the first is an understanding of your position. Uh, it's an understanding of realizing that God is the owner, that God is in charge. God, we would use the word today, boss. And we are the servant of Christ. And so the first is about our position. It's the understanding that we're not the one who's calling the shots, God is. The second one, the word there, servant, is less about our position in the sense of like where we are in the org chart, and it's more about our responsibility in that role. And so we all have a role, 
And then we all have a responsibility. And that's what Paul is saying here. We all have a role, and that role is to be a servant. And we all have a responsibility with that role, and that is to be a steward. And the idea of stewardship is very simply this, that somebody else owns it. It's not mine. I don't own it. They own it. And my responsibility is to be faithful with what they've given me. That's why in verse two, Paul says, look back at it. Paul says, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so here's what I want us to think about when we think about fruitfulness and we think about multiplying fruitfulness. Every single one of us are servants of Christ and we are stewards. What that simply means is we don't own it. We're simply the managers of something else that God gave us. And what is that something else that God gave us? It is the blessing. It is gifts. It is talents. It is times. It is everything that God blesses us with. God blessed us with it, and we are now managers of it. So we don't own it. God owns it. He owns the time. He owns you. He owns me. He owns all the blessings that he has given us. Our requirement is to be faithful with what he has given us. And I think one of the reasons why you and I don't multiply fruitfulness is because we disconnect it from faithfulness. One of the reasons, now listen to me, one of the reasons why we don't multiply fruitfulness is because we disconnect it from our role of being faithful. Here's what I mean by this. Let me give you a point and then I'll unpack it. It's on the screen if you want to write it down. We are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful. And God will make us fruitful. We are called to be faithful. God will make us fruitful. Remember the command, Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. Well, the crazy thing about being fruitful is we can't make ourselves fruitful. I mean, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, I quote this often because this is really where we get our vision from. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, he planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So when it comes to fruitfulness, we need to understand something. We can't grow the fruit. But then what happens is we see the lack of fruitfulness in our lives and we disconnect it from the lack of faithfulness. Because faithfulness is what allows fruitfulness to occur. Again, think back to Paul saying he planted, Apollos watered. So here's what I want you to see. God can only make fruitful what you've been faithful to plant and sow. God can only be, make something fruitful that you and I have been faithful in planting and sowing. And so what happens so often is we look at the lack of fruitfulness in our life and we're like, God, you haven't grown fruitfulness. God, I'm not fruitful. I'm not emotionally healthy in my marriage. I'm not emotionally healthy in my kids. I'm not this, I'm not that. We all look at the lack of fruit in our lives and what happens is we disconnect it from the fact that, oh yeah, because I haven't been sowing in faithfully. And that's what I want you to see. And so when we talk about the type of people that we want to multiply around here, not takers like in Genesis chapter six, but we want to multiply receivers, we want to multiply givers, then what we need to understand is if that's going to happen, if we're going to multiply givers and receivers and not takers, then we have to be faithful in doing what God has commanded us. 
We have to be faithful, and that is what stewardship is about. You know, when I, you join our church here, we don't have membership. And this was intentional on our part, because I don't know if you've grown up in the church or kind of what your church background is and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times when people join a church, it comes with certain rights and privileges, right? Different churches have different things. And so it may come with, oh, this is where I sit or I get a membership, you know, church has a gym or other things. And, and when people kind of join the church, they, they think more like a country club mindset. And, and when I, again, I say this often, I didn't grow up going to church, but when I first started going to church in my teenage years, and then I started understanding this idea that churches have membership. And if you're a member, you get to do certain things. And if you're not a member, you don't get to do certain things. Instantly, I just kind of felt like, I don't think that's right because membership in a church isn't about having rights. Like I get my own assigned seat. Like if you've never been in a church and sit in somebody else's seat, you ain't lived, right? Like you walk in and sit down, they're like, that's my seat. And it's, it breed, we breed this idea in a church that, that once I join it, then I have certain rights. But when we were going through our process here as a church, we talked and, and there was a core conviction. It's like, you know, I don't want membership in that kind of idea because members have rights. So we don't call it membership. We call it stewardship. And our tagline is simply this. Members have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. And so when you join Revolution Church, and you can do that every month at our welcome lunch, when you join, you are joining to say, I am now responsible I am now responsible for Revolution Church. Not I'm joining and I get a green jacket and a name tag and an assigned seat, but now I am responsible. And what you're signing up to do is to be a steward of Revolution Church and you are saying, I am committing to be faithful. I'm committing to be faithful to execute what the Bible says about the church. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to serve. I'm going to show up. I'm not going to neglect meeting together. I'm going to develop relationships here. I'm going to be faithful in every area of my life. And so when you join our church, I want you to understand, it's not about just kind of checking something off or like, okay, this is my church now. But when you join, you're saying, I'm going to be a, a good steward of the responsibilities that God has given believers to help build up the church. And that's what I want us to think about when we think about this whole multiply initiative. We're trying to multiply fruitful people, but you don't get fruitful people without faithless people. And so it's about being faithful in our responsibilities of being a steward. And again, one of the biggest reasons why people don't think like this is because they wrongly think that what they have, they earned. They wrongly think that they own it. But let's continue in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, and work our way down to verse 7. Paul says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, real quick, all Paul's saying here is not that we shouldn't call out wrong and call out sin. He's just saying, ultimately, at the end of the day, 
The one who determines whether or not he was faithful was God. The one who determines whether Paul was faithful in planting as a good steward is God. God is the one of whom we will all give an account, which is why he says what he says next. Look at verse five. He says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring... <laughs> now, I don't know if you ever... Let me stop. I don't know if you ever read the Bible and you kind of just step back and you're like, whoa, this is one of those times. Look at what he says. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his condemnation, uh, not condemnation, Ooh, gotta be careful there, commendation from God. The commendation, not commendation, not a lot, we're not talking about locks and safes here, but the commendation might be condemnation. That's where I was, that's a lot of tongue twisting right there. But I don't know about you, but when I read that, again, I kind of step back and I'm like, oh, whoa. What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, all of us are going to be judged in our faithfulness of being a steward of what God has given us. Every single one of us. Listen, you can judge me. We can judge each other. That's what he was saying earlier. And we can think we're not being faithful. You can think you are being faithful and you're not. But at the end of the day, what is in the darkness is going to come to the light. And this is the part that's, that's great. The purposes of your heart will be disclosed. So not only if you were faithful, but why you were wanting to be faithful. I don't know about you, but I, I step back and look at that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I better check my heart. I, I better check my heart and make sure that I rightly understand that God owns it all. And he has given me, you know, 70, 80 years, maybe, who knows? But he's given me today, he's given me the time that I have, the breath that I'm breathing, everything that he's blessed me with. And he is asking me, commanding me to be faithful with it, to be a good steward. And if I am, he'll make me more fruitful. And this is why the Bible says, judge them by their fruit. And ultimately, what Paul is saying is every single one of us will stand before God and we'll be judged on our faithfulness. And then, here's the good part, we will receive our commendation from God. The Bible talks a lot about rewards. And, and there's a lot of things that it can mean. But in this one, it doesn't mean that God... I mean, Jesus clearly says those who give in this life, it will be given back to them a hundredfold in the next but this idea here of commendation is less about the reward and it's more about praise. It's more about praise. Now think about this. We come into worship services and we rightly, and it's always at the beginning of the services. I say always, typically at the beginning of the services because it's getting our heart right. We praise God and we raise our hands and we sing. Now, now worship is not just singing, but it's not less than that. And so a part of worship is singing and that is praising. We're praising God. We are commendating God. We are praising him for who he is. But Paul says, when we meet God, he will praise us. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, we get into heaven 
And, and we walk in and we've been faithful stewards. God is the one. Jesus is the one who says, well done. It's reversed. Now, right at that point when he praises us, the Bible says he will praise us with those blessings and rewards. And when we see him, we're going to give it right back to him. And so we're going to praise him with the praises that he gives us. But I don't want you to miss this because here's what I want you to understand. That's what I want you to live for. I want you to, uh, you know, throughout church and my experiences, I've heard it say live for the audience of one. The idea is simply this. I'm living, you're living, all of us should be living with the understanding that one day we will have to give an account of whether or not we were faithful, whether or not we were multiplying fruitfulness. And that fruitfulness comes from whether or not we were faithful with what he commanded us to do. And if we are faithful, he will make us fruitful. And when we see him, he will praise us for the fruitfulness that he made through our faithfulness. And I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on the God of all creation saying to me, well done. Good and, anybody know? Faithful servant. See, servant's the role. Steward is the responsibility. Well done. Good and faithful servant. But again, the reason why most people aren't faithful is because they fail to understand that everything that they have, they received. Look at what Paul says in six and seven. He says, I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. Brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. Again, Paul's saying, listen, look at my fruitfulness. Look at me at being, trying to be faithful with the mysteries of God that he has given me and the fruitfulness that he has grown. Look at us as our example. I want to multiply that into you. And then he says in verse seven, and this is the part I really want us to, to listen to. He asks some questions. He says, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? See, that is a proper understanding of stewardship. What do you have that you didn't receive? So again, go back to the beginning when talking about we don't want to multiply takers. We want to multiply receivers people that receive the grace of God, and then they are generous with it. They're good stewards with it. All that comes from a right understanding that everything that you have, you received. Everything. There is nothing that you have that you did not receive. The very life that you have, the very breath that you have, the very air that you breathe every day, do you do anything to make that? You might make it better and cleaner with your purifier and your essential oils and stuff, right? But you didn't make the air. You're not keeping the sun in its existence. You're not keeping the earth on its axis rotating perfectly so that we won't burn up or freeze. God is doing all that. He's doing all that right now to bless you. Again, he's doing all that to give life to you. And this is what's amazing to me. It's like I talk about with people who don't believe in God. 
Their mind was created by God and then they used their mind to try to disprove the God who created it. But we do this all the time. And see, again, we, we can talk about atheists or agnostics out in the world who deny God, but there's a pastor who I highly respect, wrote a book years ago called Christian Atheist. And his whole point was, there are so many Christians that live like atheists. They deny the existence of God by the faithlessness in their own life. And so Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, listen, you're, you're in all these fights, you're in all this unhealthiness, and all of that comes from a wrong understanding that you're a steward. You're not an owner. You don't get to say what you do. And, and here's my contention. I would rather do what God says because I have a tendency to multiply unfruitfulness, right? Anybody here? When you do it your way or you go outside of God's boundaries, I mean, do you have a good track record of fruitfulness in your own life without Jesus? Anybody? No. So why do we come to Jesus and then we want to continue to bring that lack of faithfulness in and argue with him about whether or not we should obey his commands? That's what's crazy. And so again, the reason why we don't multiply fruitfulness is because we disconnect it from our lack of faithfulness in obeying God's commands. And the reason why we do that is we fail to understand that everything that we have, we received. We're just simply stewards who will give an account of all the things that God has given us. Now, obviously this applies to every area, but, but I wanna talk about one specific area because it applies to obviously the season that we're in as a church. We wanna multiply generous people. And so one of the things that we created as a church is something that we call the generosity journey. We want to help you take your next step in being generous. Because I understand there's a lot of people who grew up maybe not in church or maybe even in church and they didn't talk about it or they weren't taught. And so one of the things that we wanted to do as a church is to help teach you how to obey the commands of God, specifically when it comes to the area of generosity. And so we created this uh, simple tool and we give this to everybody who gives for the first time here at our church. It's simply called the generosity journey. If you were here when we started Multiply Initiative, we gave this out to you as well. It's just a very simple tool. Ooh, we gotta be careful there. It's a very simple tool about the steps that we take in our generosity journey. And so there's just five simple steps that we've outlined to help you be faithful in the area of generosity. So let me just highlight these five here, and I've got them on the screen, each one, and we'll kind of break it down. The first step in generosity journey is you start to give occasionally. You start to give occasionally. And this person who starts to give occasionally, it's good, you give on occasion. And the, the thought process is how much of my money can I give? So two things there, how, my money and can I? And so the thought process of a lot of people when they first come to church is it's my money and I really can't give that much. So you give on occasion. But, but here's what I want to, man, that's a baby step. That's awesome. You're starting to at least give on occasion. Then you move to the next step, which is called intentional, being an intentional giver. This person asks, how much of my money am I going to give? 
So the last part of it changed is still the understanding of my money and how much am I going to, not how much can I, but an intentional giver starts to think, okay, I want to give beyond just occasions, but I want to be more intentional. So I'm going to think about it ahead of time. How much am I going to? We're going to service this weekend or we're out of town this weekend. And so I want to give. And this is why we have our whole new giving platform. And again, we've been talking about that for the last several weeks. It's so easy to give. So you can just go to our website, set up reoccurring giving. I did that myself. I used to use our bank's bill pay option, but now it's, it's easier to do it through our website. And it's only 25 cents to just have it debited out of my bank account, which is so much cheaper for the church. We don't pay all the other processing fees. And so when, when you start thinking about intentionality, that's this level. I got I to gotta plan for this. Again, so many, so many things in our life we plan for. We plan for vacations. We plan for job. We plan for our kids' school. We, and that's good and right. But so often we don't plan on faithfulness. We don't plan or make a plan of how we're going to be faithful, specifically in this area of generosity. But that's a good next step from occasional to intentional. Here's the third one. Proportional, proportional giving. Now, this is a huge step right here. A huge step. Somebody say huge. Say it in your best political voice. Huge. I'm just kidding. All right. Asks how much, now listen to this, of God's money am I going to give? That's the fundamental shift right there. See, a person who moves from intentional to proportional understands it's not theirs. It's God's. This is the level that we would call tithing. Not only am I giving intentionally, I'm, I'm planning to do it, but now I'm giving proportionally because God commands me to. God commands me to give the first to him. And so I want to encourage you again, and a lot of, a lot of people miss this, it's not just 10%. It's the first 10. It's the first 10. See, a lot of people think, man, well, I'm giving 10%, but, but it's not the first it's not putting God last. And Ricky Bobby was right, right? The great theologian. If you're not first, you're, you're last. And that's what God is ultimately saying. It's not, hey, fit me in if you can. It is put me first. Why? Because God says, it's all mine. But I want you to honor me first. Because it signifies you understand you're a steward, not an owner. So it's not just 10% church, it's the first 10. And I always joke about this. Say, why 10%? Because that's just enough to make you mad. It's just enough to make you like, oh, this is why I joke, right? Like a 20 seems so big in church and so small at Walmart. You get in church, you know, it's, oh, mm, that's a lot. So why 10? Because God is saying, I, I own it all, and I want you to tithe first. And here's, here is the command of God. In Malachi 3, he says, test him. If you're faithful, I'll make you what? Fruitful. Man, I have seen this of tithing for over 20 years in my life. You put God first, you're faithful, he'll make you fruitful. But see, a lot of people stop there. That's not the last step. There's still two more. The next step, sacrificial sacrificial. This person asks, how much of God's money does he want me to give? The shift here is not as much on God's money because that happened in the last step, but the last step said, how much am I going to? This step is how much does God want me to give? This is where we go above and beyond 
And see, here's what I want you to understand. Tithing is not sacrificial giving. That is God's. That belongs to him. When we give above and beyond that, now we're actually sacrificing. Because now we're having to make sacrifices to make it happen. We're having to cut cable. We're having to cut internet, right? We're having to cut car payments. We're having to cut other things in our lives. And that's what sacrificial giving is. And so this person makes the shift and says, no, you know what? God owns it all. And what does he want me to give? And then there's one last step. And this is my most favorite. I don't feel like I'm there yet, but man, it is where I want to be. Eternal. Eternal giver. And then this person asks, now listen to this. Listen to this shift. How much of God's money does he want me to keep? Not how much of God's money does he want me to give, but how much of God's money does he want me to keep? There are some faithful believers and pastors that I've got the privilege to be around with that have become reverse tithers. They live on 10% and give 90 they live on 10% and give 90. And you're like, well, yeah, if I was a millionaire, I'd do that too. Would you? Would you really? Because see, the solution is not more money. The solution is more faithfulness. You would be faithful with that much? You were like, yeah, if he gave it to me. You know why he hasn't given it to you? Because you haven't been faithful with what he's already given you. I'm not saying if you're faithful now, he's going to give you a million dollars. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Here's all I'm saying. Why would he give you more if he hasn't, can't trust you with what he's given you now? And these steps in generosity are simply that, the steps. And we want you to take these steps because, again, if you're faithful, God will grow fruitfulness in your life. So you move from being an occasional, intentional, proportional, sacrificial, and eternal. And eternal says, you know what? I care more about the next life than I do this one. And that's our hope for you. Because again, you understand that you are a steward. Now flip over to first Peter chapter four quickly. We've got to wrap this up. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 and 11. I just want to highlight it here because you see the same exact word as first Corinthians chapter four. And this is a different apostle. So you have the apostle Paul. Now you have the apostle Peter saying the same things, almost like they worship the same God. All right. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 10, 11. As each has, what's that next word there? Let's try that again. You, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. As each has what? Receive. Let's try it one more time to get it in your bones, all right? As each has what? Receive. Received a gift. Notice a gift is not something you earn. It's something you receive. As each has received a gift. Again, we want to multiply receivers. Use it to serve one another as good, what? Stewards. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as the one, uh, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that, listen to this, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Listen. A stewardship mindset comes from an understanding that God owns it all. All glory, all dominion forever and ever. And we're just simply called to be good stewards of the gifts we've received. 
And, and the reason why I'm telling you this, listen, it's not just because I want you to give to multiply and give to the mission of the church, but I believe in it. I believe in the mission and vision of the church. And so I would call you to give even if you didn't come to this church. If you are watching you go to another church, I want you to give everything you can to your church. It's not about Revolution Church. I just believe in the mission and vision of the church, but it's not just that. I want you to be a good steward because if you're faithful as a good steward, God will grow fruit in you. And when he grows fruit in you, then you will multiply that into the next generation. And the next generation of kids and students now are learning how to be takers or givers by watching you. And that's the mindset we want multiplied, a stewardship mindset. And I'm telling you, in the end, when you meet Jesus, and you hear that commendation from him, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. None of it will feel like sacrifice. So we have an opportunity, not only today, but in this season to be faithful. But none of that comes without a relationship with Christ. And so there may be some of you here today that you don't know Christ, and that's your first step. But there may be some of you here today that you know Christ, and your next step is just to simply ask, God, what are the areas in my life I'm not being faithful in? And I want to be faithful so that you can grow fruit. So then that is what's multiplied and glorifies you, not grieves you. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you so much for giving us grace. God, there is nothing that we have that we didn't receive. And first and foremost, what we received is the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. We received grace and we're saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there is nobody here today who is saved that earned it. They're only saved because they received it by faith, through grace. But God, I know there are people here today that have not received it. And so we pray right now that you would save them by grace. Nobody looking around or talking as we close as always. If you've never trusted Christ, I want to simply give you an opportunity today to trust him. And the good news is it's not something you have to earn. It's something you receive as a gift because God is a giver and he wants to bless you. So if you want to trust Christ and receive by grace through faith in Christ, then you'll be saved. So right there where you are, if you want to trust him, you can pray with me. Not out loud, to yourself, it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me, that you sent Christ in my place for my sin. I ask you to save me, forgive me. I give you my life. Would you give me life? 
I want to receive grace through faith in Christ. So forgive me. Save me. Thank you for loving me. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just pray to trust Christ, very simply, we want to know about that. We want to give you a gift. And so if that was you, you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that. Thank you. We've got men and women going to walk around and put a gift in your hand. And when they do, you can put your hand down. But then those of us who have received Christ, again, I want to encourage you. Not only did you receive Christ, but you have received everything. There's nothing that you have that you haven't received. And so I want you to be a good steward of that. We want to multiply good stewards. See, the, the vision of the church is not just to multiply, but it's to multiply the right things, to multiply fruitfulness. But fruitfulness doesn't come unless we are faithful as good stewards. So the key to it all is us being faithful. And God will supply. That's what's crazy about what Peter said in 1 Peter 4. He will even supply the grace to be faithful. So that he can grow fruitfulness and then multiply it. And so I don't know what areas of your life that you're not being faithful in. But simply... The response today is, God, give me grace to be faithful. I want to be a faithful, good steward. And then grow fruitfulness in me. Father, we ask this, not only for you to save, but for you to help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.